In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Well, hmm, where to begin? Where, where, where to begin today? Um, like, I I was going to try and make some sort of question, and I just don't even know if it's worth it, um, but let us maybe attempt it, because um, I was just going to be like, hey, Amy, what's your favorite thing about moving? <laughs> Because that's <laughs> my favorite thing about moving. Yeah, because that's like what's like been move on oh, my mind. Just like totally unrelated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Literally nothing fa- to do with today's episode, like what oh. we watched for today. Because oh, okay. there's so little going on in what we watched yeah. today. Um, like, no, I just was like, let's talk about things in my life that are stressing me out. My move. <laughs> like, okay. what could be better than doing that? Um, okay. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you positive about moving. Cool. I only really all right. have one. Okay. The rest is all negative. Um, I mean, I I like the I as someone who hasn't moved much in my life. I'll preface it with that, um, and not moved like any kind of exotic, different types of places. I've pretty much contained to the Northeast. Right. Um, but sort of the excitement of like a new place and. Mm. Um, set it, maybe not the setting up part, but like kind of the idea of setting up a new place and having a clean slate of like, ooh, yeah. I can make this this type of way. Does it ever go that way in my experience? Probably not. But like the <laughs> idea that you could make it real cute. Um, yeah, just sort of that like that change. As someone who's not moved very much, I know the actual logistics are a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, so... For listeners who don't know, and that might be many or all, for all I know, um, I am preparing for an impending move to Melbourne, Australia for my job um, that I realized today, a week from today, from when we're recording, I will be on a plane to that place eventually. Yeah, so um, I've done quite a bit of preparation already for this but um the other thing I find really frustrating about moves no matter the size of them is like when figuring out when to really pull the cord on like the full pack you know like yeah when am I not gonna need need this stuff like and how long can I get by without this thing like that's that's a very that's often to me one of the more challenging things I feel like I would start like fully <laughs> not that this is like that much of a departure in my life, but like I feel like I would start fully 
eating out, like nothing at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I've definitely done a bit of that already because it's like get some groceries for some stuff, but yeah. eventually don't bother. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would, I mean, it's tough with like stuff like you can't do it with much of like entertainment stuff. Like I want my TV working like up until the minute. <laughs> I know. I maybe need to be watching it as stuff is being loaded out of my house for all I know. 100%. I need like a distraction while like the moving people are in my house making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's tough. Yeah. I've never, I've never really moved from a place this is another thing. I've actually never moved from a place that I liked. So that's, you know, that's a thing besides like, I guess like from home originally, like, yeah, fine. I liked that. (laughs) But like, (laughs) home was like, I didn't, home was fine. Um, but like my apartment in college didn't care about my first couple apartments in the city, no emotional attachment there. So I don't know what that's like either. Like having like a space you like and like having to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that a bunch. I've done that a bunch. Yeah. Uh, in my life. And I think that, and I've already been thinking about this too, is like, um, there's a, there's an kind of like a bittersweet sort of empty feeling when you fully cleaned out the place and it's like the final look through to make sure that you've not missed something or like there's one last thing to wash or, you know, like something. Yeah. And you like look That seems at, like it would be sentimental. Yeah, you look all around and basically like this sounds very strange because I'm not a camper, but I have the same mentality that people do when they camp, which is like I like to leave any space that I lived in kind of in better condition than when I found it. Like whatever now mm-hmm. like even though technically most every apartment is pretty clean when I arrive and then similarly clean when I leave, um, especially like my last, like this place that I'm in now and my previous one, um, I remember moving into both and being like, this isn't up to my standard of cleanliness. Like this is fine, oh, but this is well, not. Well, <laughs> like, well, let me tell you about my apartment I moved into uh, in college and it was probably not up to your cleanliness because I found a toenail in the drawer. <laughs> Oh, that's horrendous. Um, Yeah. No, this this current place wasn't, like, disgusting or anything, but it was, like, I could tell that whoever had lived here previously, like, seemed a little bit, like, not even cutting corners, but, like, I found a bunch of cobwebs in places where I was like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. if you just kind of turned your head, you would not see that. So, (laughs) like... This person clearly so that, chose to do that rather than like they were choosing not, choosing not to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, so that's what I aim to do is like by the time I'm out of this place, I want to like do that final walkthrough and be like, this is, you know, a little bit nicer than when I got it for the, for whoever's. That's next. definitely. I'm gonna go ahead and say not normal. That is very, I, d- I mean, again, as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in this, that's very nice of you, I would say, because <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do that, try to make it nicer. They're just like, give me the fuck out. I yeah. mean, you know, like, I don't, again, I've not lived in a lot of places that would be, for example, I saw a, <laughs> this is 
kind of embarrassing, but I saw a like a TikTok or some type of video that was like smallest apartment in Manhattan in New York City. Can you believe someone would actually live here? Oh, God. And I was looking at it and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, my God, that is my old apartment. <laughs> Or at least at the or very something least, very the same, similar, like at the very least, like in the same building, but like yeah. legit the same building at least because it was the same layout. It looked out like the window looked like it had the same view, and it was this you know my la- the layout was terrible. It wasn't yeah. like a place you could live for real because the bathroom was in the hall. It oh, was a right. dorm room. Yeah, and yeah. I was paying a lot of money for it. Right, I I vaguely remember that time in your life. <laughs> um, Yeah. (laughs) So hello, everyone. Welcome to see you next week in space. I apologize for a slightly more somber topic than usual. I'm Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And um, yeah, this is also I was realizing, even though we're recording this a week before I move, it won't actually be out in the world until probably I've been in Australia for about a month. Um, yeah. So no need to worry, listeners. We will be figuring out in this kind of uh, hiatus time. I think in the, in the end, there might be one week of break uh, after this episode um, of figuring mm-hmm. out how we will continue. And don't worry, we're going we're gonna to come back and we'll have Australian accents the next time. <laughs> I mean, I most certainly will because that's all it takes is about three to four weeks to develop a totally good accent. <laughs> Um, so get, get ready. So here's, get ready here's, for that. <laughs> here's a practice. So you can oh, like compare okay. how I'm doing it now to how I do it in like a month. It's like, yeah. Oi, crikey. Oh, <laughs> me at the footy game, this Avo. How about that? That's, that's the practice. Whoa. That's the free time. And we'll see. Okay. Is that a, so- is that a soccer game in the afternoon? Is that what you said? I yes, well, footy is Australian rules football, but yes, you translated oh. that very well. Um, so yes, we're talking about moving just so that one, I because I feel like in previous times when we've gone on breaks for things, I've forgotten to ever say anything yeah, about really, it. Yeah, we never really address um, it. We're so, just kind of like bye. So now we're trying to be more on top of our game and let you know, as our loyal listeners deserve. Um, And also because, like, truly the thing we watched this week, and I didn't know, like, this wasn't intentional, like, where I was like, oh, I'm going to be kind of mentally checked out. Let me pick a show that really, like, works with that. I didn't intend for that to be the thing because I forget now, I think it was when we did the Jetsons episode that I became aware of the thing that we're going to be talking about today. Mm. So, Amy, why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about today? Yeah, so we're talking about a show called Yogi's Space Race from 1978. The specific episode we watched was called The Pongo Classic, which was episode three and originally aired on September 30th of 1978. Yes. Um, Now... Because Jetsons is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon and all Yogi and Huckleberry Hound and all these people that are in this one, they're all Hanna-Barbera characters. So that's how Mm. I became aware of Yogi's space race. And I thought that what we might get would be kind of of a similar caliber of 
fun as the Jetsons. <laughs> and it turned out not to be uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't it wasn't quite so gripping. <laughs> no. Um so the IMDb description of this um it's just a 13 episode run that goes from kind mm. of fall of 78 to early winter of 79. Um, and mm-hmm. IMDb describes it as Yogi Bear and his friends enter a race to different galaxies in space, but must battle a variety of space creatures um, out to see that they don't finish the race. Okay. So weird. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a strange premise, but like I realized, I and mean, you can tell because when you watch the opening credits, um, the space race part is all done in the same logo as Star Wars. Oh, oh yes, yes, okay. And Star Wars, the very original, was a big new at that ha- time. A New Hope had just come out in seventy-seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that to me is like maybe the reason, quote unquote, that this exists. Um, yeah. And what I was surprised to learn uh, when I was doing research about this is like. So it's a total of 13 episodes, and I'm not sure exactly when these were played. Like, I don't, I assume they were Saturday morning cartoons, but I'm not totally sure. But apparently they would do, like, three episode chunks in a row. And that would be like a 90-minute kind of movie, quote-unquote. And then, like, the next I could week, not watch would... 90 minutes of this. No, because, <laughs> honestly, the 22 minutes or whatever it was, it was, like, excruciating. Rough. Truly rough. some of the most. And, like, what's weird is, like, technically a lot of stuff happened. Like, I was surprised, at the, am- I was surprised at the amount of different, like, problems Drawings? they encountered. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. Um... For just the 22 minutes or whatever. Um, But it was quite repetitive. And then to be like, if there are three problems in one 22-minute episode, then there would be nine problems in a 90-minute chunk. And that feels like a lot. Yeah, that's overkill. Um, I mean, I get it that it's space and there are lots of problems in space, but like... Another Space Problems episode. That's a definite. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Kind of a strange one, not entirely what I expected. Um, the other thing I'll just briefly mention is that the theme that emerges from these 13 episodes is that they are racing for some kind of prize every time, but the prize never turns out to be as good as it seems. And that's, um, we will learn about that later. Um, hmm. In terms of the cast, uh, this is kind of, this will be similar in content sort of to whenever we've talked about anything animated. Um, we're getting a lot, and particularly the people who voice Hanna-Barbera characters um, do a lot of them, uh, similar to the people, and I'll tar- start with one of them, or I'll talk about one of them, uh, who worked for uh, Warner Brothers doing the Looney Tunes as well. You see people just doing like dozens and dozens of characters. Um, so in terms of who we've got in this episode, um, we will start with Scare Bear, who is voiced by <laughs> a 71-year-old Joe Besser. 
Um, and I was surprised to learn that Joe Besser was a member of the Three Stooges briefly oh, wow. um, toward the end of their run. He worked with them for just two years, 1957 to 1959, but he did end up doing quite a lot of shorts with them. Um, but in this but case... he wasn't one of them? No, he was. He w- so this was once Shemp had died. Curly was already dead as well. Um, oh. Shemp died, and so then they were... For a while, Larry and Mo were just doing things on their own, but the studio oh, was like... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the studio was like, this really doesn't work. You need a third guy. Um, so then Joe Besser was one of the... I forget now which studio. I think it was maybe RKO, but um, Joe Besser was one of their like comic actors, like mm. one of their contract player types, and they were like, have him go and do it. Um, now, just for those of you who are Stooges fans, this was a confusion to me, and I did figure this out. Joe Besser is not Curly Joe. Curly Joe is another person who played, who, who did. Who is Curly Joe? What is Curly happening? Curly Joe, I think, was the <laughs> final third Stooge, okay. and he is one of the more and- reviled of them. Um, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, we don't have to do Stooges talk, but I just, like, <laughs> there was... The two Mo Mo and Curly always there. The third Mo and wait, Larry. Mo Mo and Larry. Mo and Larry always there. Correct. The third guy, Curly died, and they had to replace him multiple times. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yes. I did not realize that. I remembered Shemp, but I did not remember anything beyond that. Yeah. Um. Hmm. So also because of this guy's uh comic background, he did regular appearances on. The Abbott and Costello TV show that ran for a while. Um, Mm. And it looks to me from his credits that he started doing mostly voice work in the early 70s. So basically once he got into his like mid to late 60s, he's like, I'm not really going to keep doing the same thing. I'll just do this instead. That Um, makes sense. And what we will see because of the kind of age and place and time that this uh, show comes out, a number of the voice actors have done stuff in the Smurfs, and he is one of them. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, his last credit, in fact, was for the Smurfs in 1986. Oh, funny. Um, then we have a character called Quacka, um, who, <laughs> uns- who, as soon as I heard, I was like, that's Daffy Duck, and of course that makes sense, because this is voiced by a 70-year-old Mel Blanc, or Blanc, I'm not totally sure. I thought we mm-hmm. had talked about him before. And I looked through, I was sure we had spoken about him. But it turns out we hadn't. Even though he did do the voice of George Jetson's boss, Cosmo Spacely. Cosmo Spacely wasn't oh. in the episode that we talked about, so we didn't talk about this guy. Mm. Um, but he is known as the man of a thousand voices. Um, oh, and he so he had an exclusive contract with Warner Brothers starting in the 1930s. And so he voiced Looney Tunes characters. Specifically, he voiced Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, Tweety Bird, Yosemite Sam, quite a lot of others um, for about 30 years. He worked exclusively for Warner Brothers. Um, then in 1960, he still continued to do stuff for Warner Brothers, but it's the exclusivity of his contract changed. 
So then he also started working mm. for Hanna Barbera, um, and in the context of that, he voiced Barney Rubble, Barney Rubble, and um, Dino the dinosaur from the Flintstones. Um, hmm. And then, because of the sheer quantity of work that he was able to do and the number of characters that he was responsible for, he has a total of twelve hundred twenty-five. <gasps> credits on imdb which i Whoa, think might that be might the be most record. we've ever seen yeah that sounds like a record i don't remember anybody hitting a thousand yeah because his career literally lasts from like 1937 to like 1990 or something <laughs> like whoa and as and as we've said with like voice work you can kind of pump those out like you can yeah. do a lot of those well and especially wow, those though. looney tunes like they're all shorts. So yeah. like, you know, you can you could probably record like eight or nine of them a day for all I know. Um Yikes. Wow, that's in, that's impressive though. Yeah, and because he did all these characters, one of his last credits, um, well, he's alive. Like his voice has been used again since his death. But one of the ones mm. he voiced uh at when he was alive was Roger Rabbit, was one of his final who framed Roger Rabbit was one of his final oh, appearances. Cute. Um, then we have the character voiced by Dawes Butler, who we did talk about in our Jetsons episode. Um, Dawes Butler does both Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear. Um, and mm. Dawes Butler is, was 62 when he recorded this. And he's similar to Mel Blanc in terms of the amount of stuff and how many characters he's voiced. Um, th- which brings us to a newer version of that same type of guy, voice actor. Um, for this episode, now, this is, like, quite a lot of the characters of the episode are done by this one guy. So he does Jabberjaw, <laughs> Buford, Nugget Nose, Captain Good, Phantom Fink, Clean Cat, and Sinister Sludge. And that's all of these are voiced by Frank Welker, um, who was 32 when he uh, recorded this uh, TV show. Um, he wow. is currently sitting at a total of 884 credits. Um, wow. And he's only in his uh, 60s, I think, now. Um, so he may, we'll see if he can beat uh, good old Mel Blanc. Um, but his longest running character that he has voiced is Fred Jones um, from Scooby-Doo. Uh, he's oh, okay. been doing that since the show came out in 1969. Um, more recently, or the things that I recognize from like our days as kids watching cartoons, is he did the voice of mm-hmm. Brain and Dr. Claw in Ex- Inspector Gadget. Um, oh, okay. He voiced a character called Galvatron in the original Transformers show. Um, he played Tudor Shelby in Snorks. Um, I do not know what Snorks is, but I remember <laughs> Snorks. There's some really? kind of weird, like fake animal that lives in the water. I don't totally oh, weird. know. Um, he played Hefty Smurf. Um, he also <laughs> voiced Baby Kermit in Muppet Babies. Um, Love that. And I was surprised to find that technically we've already run it across this guy because he voiced Jinx in Space Camp. Oh, that was that robot thing? Yeah. Oh, funny. I don't remember it talking. <laughs> it didn't say much, but okay. apparently that's his thing. 
And I've noticed more recently that Frank Welker, I think he seems to have a real talent for making kind of unusual, uh, like not just different types of voices, but also like animal sounds and other kinds of sounds. Because he's credited for a lot of things. And it's like, got a word that I can't remember now, but it's basically like special effect, like special voice effect, something, something. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, funny. So he seems to be quite good at that. Um, hmm. The remaining characters, uh, of which there are surprisingly a lot somehow, um, <laughs> we have Wendy, played by a 33-year-old Marilyn Schreffler. Um, This is her second credit, um, and she seems to mostly have focused on voice work um, after this time with some occasional front-of-camera roles. Um, hmm. And she... I was uh, rather saddened to learn that uh, she dies about a decade after this due to liver cancer when she's only 42 Hmm. years old. Um, That is sad. Yeah. I think Wendy is the one. Now I can't totally remember. I think Wendy is the one who has the really intense Brooklyn accent in this, but I can't remember. (laughs) I don't remember. I can't actually remember like any of the characters Um, per se. And her, her, co-racer is a character called Rita who um, is voiced by Pat Harris who's 28 Um, she has very few credits compared to these other people Um, she only has Mm. a total of 53 credits one of which includes uh, being a character on Fraggle Rock a little while Um, but her last credit is in 2005 Um, so it seems as though she's on to retirement or something else generally speaking um then we have these like very random thing type characters who appear briefly but i wanted to mention them because um these are some pretty heavy hitter women voice actors from this period um janna of the jungle uh was voiced by Mm -hmm. a 34 year old bj ward um and in fact Voicing Janna was her first major voice work, um, and she has gone on to do quite a lot of voice work and still seems to be um, doing it up until 2010, 2011. Um, She is similarly a main character in Snorks. Uh, She also... Gosh, everybody. I feel like Snorks was kind of like the Smurfs of the sea or something, if you want (laughs) to think of it that way. Okay. Um, I also discovered apparently there was an animated Blues Brothers cartoon for a while that she was involved with. Um, In another Transformers thing um, that just was called Voltron, she played Princess Allura in that. Um, She has voiced the character of Velma from Scooby-Doo since 2000. Um, oh, cute. Yeah, so we've got that as well. And then the other person I just wanted to mention briefly, I'm not sure that this, it, it, I really had a hard time figuring this out because the IMDb page of the credits um, for people in this show are is patchy. Um, so mm. I think that the character that we run into called Medusa, the Serpent Queen, is voiced by a 62-year-old Virginia Gregg who um, did a lot of TV and movie acting, 
I also discovered there's a book about her called like Uncredited, the history of Virginia Gregg. Um, hmm. Cause she, she is one of these people we see a lot from this time period. Her first credit is in 1946 and she keeps going wow. into the eighties and nineties um, and is in a variety of different things, never stops working. Um, and her voice work career mostly seems to begin um, in the early 70s and similar to some of these other, to Joe Besser, you know, that's when she hits about 60. She's like, I'm ready to maybe like chill out a bit on the front of camera mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, we have the narrator, the announcer guy, um, who I discovered was famously known for his announcer voice (laughs) um (laughs) his name is gary owens and he was 48 when he voiced this narrator character um and his very first credit was in 1949 in something called jerks of all trades wow (laughs) was that called is what is hold on was that called jerks of all trades the story of america (laughs) was that the was that the tagline of that whatever that was Jerks of all trades. Um, Oh, man. I wish I could think of a good log line for that. Like, um, the story of three brothers who all (laughs) own a hardware store together or something. (laughs) Or I'm actually, to be honest, I'm surprised there's not a Three Stooges short called Jerks of all trades. Actually, that would be a great one for the Stooges. (laughs) Um. He, his next credit. There'd be so many things they could hit hit each other with. I feel oh like. God, absolutely. Um, <laughs> his next credit, though, weirdly, is um, not for another than uh, twelve years, and it's in 1961, and it's a, a different, intriguing thing called the Naked Witch. Um, Yikes! Yeah, we won't <laughs> linger on that uh, too long. Um, but he has, as I said, he's mostly become known for this announcer voice that he has. Um, so, uh, and he also is quite well known for being the original voice of a character called Space Ghost, um, which was another Hanna-Barbera creation. Um, he's the, and particularly hmm. relevant for today's episode, he also was the announcer for the race in the Love Bug movie. So... He just was very good at talking about pretend races, I guess, where wacky stuff happens. (laughs) Um, So that's all we need to know. And I'm not even sure we necessarily need to know that about this situation, (laughs) but we're talking about it. Um, So the show itself um, runs on a very basic premise that each episode is a race and a different kind of planet slash galaxy, depending on what you're talking about. Um, and we, as the audience, are introduced to this concept by good old Gary Owens, um, and he's explaining that this week uh, the racers are going to be racing on a jungle planet called Pongo, and that the prize is dinner for two at the Martian Ritz. <laughs> Um, the Martian Ritz sounds like somewhere I would go. 
it could be fun. I mean, they do show a shot of it, and that shot is super Jetsons-inspired, where it's like a floating mm. circular hotel, um, and then they show people having a fancy dinner inside. Um, so, like, yeah. It, so we're at the moment, we think this is a great prize, but we need to wait and see. So then we go through, and this too, to me, like, sounds, seems like it would be quite arduous um, in the watching of multiple episodes at a time because the announcer mm. also says the names of all of the different competitors in that week's oh, race. And I have to assume that they might kind of change it up a little bit, but I think for the most part, it's the same, like, six people every time. Like, I mean, the thing is, what I was thinking, like, kind of my overarching, like, feeling throughout this, though I can admit, like, I wasn't paying close attention. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I was feeling like, yeah, I feel like kids, this is, I, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but, like, I was like, I feel like my brain is not the right level right. for this. And not I that I'm, like, I was so wondering smart. that, too. I, that was actually possibly one of my opening questions I was going to ask. I was like, is this just, like, are we not getting it because we're not children? Like, because I, I, I kind of wanted, like, a test audience of a child with me right. to, like, see. Because I could kind of picture a kid being, like... Laughing because, at the stupid honest, jokes and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, or even... I guess it depends also on the age, too, you're talking about. Because some kid, Obviously, the younger kids, it's literally just the visuals are interesting. Although, now, with the types of... Yeah, hard to um, say if they would like something like this. Like, this looks a little bit, like bland now I guess yeah. but at the time you know it's colorful whatever um I would have liked to have like a three-year-old an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old and Interesting. Like, use them yeah, as like yeah. a 10 you know what I mean like I yeah. would have been interested to see how they would but respond I didn't have it I didn't have a test group of children no. to work with and so. I don't expect I ever will have a test group of children for any reason no. nobody should allow no, that no, no, to no. happen so um, no, and then if that if they were my children, I would put this shit on, and I would think it was the best thing in the world if it shut them up. I know if they were <laughs> quiet for ninety minutes watching all three, like for sure. Yeah, um, I would put it on back to back. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is. I think it is true that kids programming when I've happened across it, um, you know, this repetitiveness maybe is a thing children like. Um, yeah, and so this isn't super repetitive in itself per se but um if you were watching many episodes in a row or if you were tuning in every week there would probably be some mm -hmm. sort of comforting quality as a child that you might like about this that like as adults we're just like this just seems really boring <laughs> why do they keep telling mm -hmm. us who the characters are <laughs> um yeah but the point here though this is and this is a bit of, I don't really get why this is happening, but so when the race starts, Captain Good and all the other competitors are at the starting line and Captain Good gets an early lead. Now, Captain Good has a companion named Clean Cat and Captain Good's spaceship is all white. His outfit is all white. He's got big blonde hair that flows mm. behind him. Um, I thought it was kind of funny because it's like 1978 that they like have an animated character who's a man who's got long flowing hair. 
<laughs> there was something about that yeah. that felt very 70s to me. Yeah, um, totally. And he's got big chomping teeth and a winning smile and like huge <laughs> and and in the realm of animation, like big fakey looking bulbous muscles and like all the shit. <laughs> um, but then when he gets enough of a lead, what happens to him? Um, I literally don't remember. And I what did you write here? I, don't, I literally don't even know. He transforms he, into that ugly, terrible bad guy. Oh, I probably missed that because I wasn't paying that close attention. Yeah. Um, he transforms into that one where he's talking and it, the, the cat transforms to a dog. Yes. Oh, I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. There's, I, there's apparently oh, okay. weird, um, like, I don't know, fans of this show apparently have some like theories about what is going on here. I don't think it really matters, but he, tr- Captain Good turns into Phantom Fink. And really what we learn is that Phantom Fink is the true persona. Like Captain Good isn't real. Um, okay. And he turns into Captain Good to trick people. Um, and so. Ooh, I that- wonder if that's like a, an allegory for life. Like oh, people trick you by. You know what I mean? I think it is. I mean, it certainly could be that, like, That's how don't, I'm interpreting don't it. ever trust a handsome, good-looking white guy with big muscles because he's going to turn into I a- mean, <laughs> um, where's the lie? I don't think that's bad advice. Indeed. Um, and I would also say don't trust a man who's a cat person because the good version well, of the dog Well, that one I have to push back on a, a little bit. <laughs> Well, I have to push back on that part of it a little bit. Well, but how about I, this? I see let your me point. let me put it this way: a single man with one cat only. I feel like there's hmm. something maybe a bit strange there, and I know that that's was, sexist. That was my that was my husband before I met him. But like, okay, <laughs> I know. I knew as I was saying it, I was making a problem. <laughs> but at the same time, I do feel I mean, it somehow. I I don't totally disagree, but I also <laughs> clearly don't live my life according in according to my super with that. <laughs> yes, and according you don't live your life according to my super random and arbitrary decisions <laughs> that I make hot takes of at times. Weird. I'm so yeah. surprised you wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Um, so Phantom Fink then turns back into Captain Good and like call somehow like notifies the rest of the race that there are these dangerous creatures coming up ahead and that he's going to clear the way for them. And they're like, thanks so much, dude. But what he actually does is he turns back into phantom thing and goes to these um, creatures. I don't think creatures is quite the right word. I guess they're supposed to be aliens. Um, They're the Mm -hmm. Pongans. They're in this Pongo planet and they're Pongans. And so phantom Fink gets to this village that they live in. And, um, basically I'm trying, I don't know how to talk about this without sounding extremely racist. Um, only because they looked like only because the very premise of this particular, um, kind of problem in the show is fundamentally racist. racist? Yeah, Yeah. Because, um, I've already removed the usage of the word that they use to describe this village. Um, Oh, and what then they, I, I honestly don't remember this. So 
but you don't have to say it. No, it's fine. But like, so they're very small people. They look kind of, they've got like a turtleish quality, I would say, in some <laughs> kind of strange way. Um, okay. And then supposedly this is a, vil- a group of villagers who love to shrink the heads of people who f- come to their village. And so, like, they're therapists. No, <laughs> that's a good oh. one. <laughs> uh, no, I kind of thought that's what they're. I'm not kidding. I wasn't. I'm not gonna lie. I was again not paying attention, and I heard that I heard them keep saying head shrinker, and I was the whole time thinking like, yeah, they're talking about therapists. It's just a village in my full head. of very small therapists. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. And then I was remember thinking, like, why do they call, like, why is that, like, a weird... I don't know. I actually don't... Yeah, I don't know what the etymology of why it's called that. Anyway. But in this case, they're talking about... Which is a... (laughs) They're literally... Shrinking heads. And it is kind of funny because then Phantom Fink turns back into Captain Good to approach the Pongans, and he's like, hey, there are some people coming if you want to get some new heads to shrink. Um, and they're mm-hmm. in this, it's a factory where they've got like a conveyor belt already full of shrunken heads. And I was like, <laughs> this is kind of funny in a weird and racisty sort of way. I don't totally now, get it. I guess like, okay, I, maybe like I'm super ignorant, but like what, what race is this supposed to, I'm confused. Well, like, the, is this? I don't really totally know what they're aiming to do. Um, I think yeah. what it re- the reason it's racist is not because, as far as I'd imagine, anybody involved in this show was like actively like, let's offend this group of people. But rather yeah. it's racist because they're using terminology that's just like thrown together that is yeah. coming out of other racist stuff and just not even okay. thinking about it. So like, Got it. Um, because it is true that certain types of uh cultures have shrunken heads and use them in ritual ways and do things yeah um and that's yeah yeah, i think that's true in both african and latin american cultures um okay i was thinking of it as as like almost this this might be wrong too and then i'll look stupid but like hawaiian almost i don't know honestly i don't know but like i think in reality, those heads get used for purposes that are, you know, like ritualistic or spiritual yeah. or something. But yeah. of course, nobody in 1978 who was white knew that. They were like, I've heard of head shrink and I've heard of that. And they weren't, and they weren't about, yeah, they weren't about to go like look into like the specifics. <laughs> right. And so it's racist in that way rather than being yeah. like, I, we are actively trying <laughs> to be offensive. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Um, yeah. So once uh, Captain Good has made this plan with the Pongans, he then um, kind of notifies the racers that the time has come, that he's cleared the way, and they should get come. Then we get the announcer being like, oh no, what will happen next? Will the racers escape the (laughs) carnivorous Pongans? Um, Because we see them, basically like the Pongans um, catch them up in a big net and so Mm -hmm. the the how would i describe it the 
Anticipation is built by the voiceover, which doesn't seem like the best way to do this, but that's how it's being done. And then uh, our guest star of the episode. This is also a thing I determined about this show is that it's this kind of interesting cast of Hanna-Barbera characters. And so each week has a different guest star who shows up. And so Jana of the Jungle <laughs> was that, that week's guest star. Um, that's funny. And she comes and saves them out of the net. I don't really even remember how she does it. I think she like throws a sharp thing or something. Um, <laughs> and all the racers escape. And I, I did like, I've not, Jenna of the Jungle had her own show for a little while. And I did like oh, really? what she looked like. She looked kind of like a prototype of She-Ra. Um, mm. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should look up and find if I can watch Jenna of the Jungle and see if I like that better than this, which wouldn't be hard <laughs> to do. Um, so then the racers start up again. Yogi's now in the lead. But of course, Phantom Fink. So this whole time, Phantom Fink and his um, co-pilot, uh sludge uh are they really want to win this dinner at the martian ritz and so now what phantom fink has decided he's decided that what he's going to do is enlist the help of just a space spider um so this i was surprised too it's like first they're caught in a net now they're caught in a web it's effectively the same thing (laughs) twice over same problem um so phantom fink again, kind of goes up ahead and convinces this spider to create a big web to catch the rest of the racers, which it does. Um, Then we get, again, good old Gary Owens with some really great, like, oh, no, what will happen now? What will the racers do to get out of this one? Um, And then it's quite clearly an ad break, (laughs) though I didn't have to sit and watch an ad. Um, yeah. And so then the ad break. And I was like, oh my God, thank goodness this is halfway over. I know. <laughs> and then the ad break comes. And when we get back, again, this is going to what we were talking about before. Like, is this for kids? You know, some of this setup seems quite repetitive and heavy handed. But basically, yeah. Gary Owens comes back and he's like, welcome back. Just as a reminder of what's already happened. It's like, wait, no, yeah. man, I don't need a reminder of the two That things. happened two seconds ago. Um, but that, but he does also give us a little bit more information that the winner will get a 13-course meal at the Martian Ritz. Um, that does sound appealing. Indeed. And Phantom Fink really wants to win it. And in fact, he keeps saying it, but then the dog is like, and I'll come too or something. And he's like, no, you'll just get a doggy bag and like all kinds of weird <laughs> shit. Um, Sad. So unfortunately, the racers are still stuck in the space spider's web. But um, Nugget Nose, who is the third co-pilot with Wendy and Rita, uh, decides that he's going to use his slingshot to break up the web, um, which is what happens, which again seems virtually like the thing they just got freed from uh, by Jana. <laughs> and when Nugget Nose does this, the web falls apart, everyone's freed, and Wendy gives him a kiss. And there was some weird... Nugget Nose was, like, weirdly horny for those two women. Ew. And I didn't like it or feel I it don't made like that much either. sense. Um, but we don't need to pay attention to that because now we're on to the... Second to last space problem that happens to this group. 
Um, they arrive at some lake, uh, which is apparently the most dangerous part of the course. Um, Phantom Fink is still in the lead. Um, but wait, so he's still in the lead. Um, but the other racers are starting to catch up. Um, mm -hmm. this is when I started being like, Huckleberry Hound, Huckleberry Hound. What do I know about Huckleberry Hound? Because he's one of the <laughs> group, like the people in the second place lead. And I didn't really remember much about Huckleberry Hound, but I will say in this version, where's my handwritten notes? Somewhere I wrote down, like, is Huckleberry Hound high? Because the it wasn't just... <laughs> like the, all the time? It wasn't just the Southern drawl that he was using, because I think that is it's his character's whole thing. It was like, he just could not give a fuck. Be bothered. Like, yeah, I feel like... Uh, do you think that, like, I mean, for kids, I mean, maybe the people who created it was like, no, this dude's high. But for kids, it's more just like he's kind of unbothered. Yeah, and I I mean, it was it was probably, if there was anything that I would have called kind of funny... It was that, you know, like, <laughs> um, but I was like, dude, is that what Huckleberry Hound's thing has been this whole time? And I didn't know that Huckleberry Hound is just like a fiend, like a weed fiend, like, um, cause he just was like, well, I guess I'll just have to pull this through the water cause we gave off fuel to the girls, you know, like, and I was just like, <laughs> and he, and his ship has like a lawn chair with an umbrella on it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I love that. So if he's not like a weed fiend, he's like um, what are they called when you like Jimmy Buffett? A parrot head. Like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's both. I think you can be both of those yeah. things. Um, oh, I think generally you're, you're if you're you are one both. of those things, yeah, yeah. you're the other it's, one. It's or I mean, mandated. By if law, you're a parrot yeah. head, you're probably the former thing. Yes, but agreed. not necessarily. Yeah, the other thing. Um. So they finally all get across the lake. Phantom Fink is starting to be concerned that his efforts to foil everyone have not worked. So then he goes ahead to the Snake Village, um, which has a sign that says, Welcome to Snake Village. And then underneath it, it says, The Sneakest Snakes in the Galaxy. Um, but mm, I would leave immediately. Well, and Phantom Fink says the sneakiest. So there was an actual typo in the cartoon. Someone forgot that. Oh, that's funny. Sneakiest is spelled slightly different. Um, oh, that's funny. So then Phantom Fink meets up with Princess Medusa, who I will say, I really thought whatever this weird thing was looked kind of cool. Like, the drawing of Princess mm -hmm. Medusa, because she was, like, a black and white snake with, like, then kind of, like, a woman's head on top <laughs> with a big, like, magenta crown thing or something coming off. And even though mm -hmm. the animation was not super high quality, I would say, um, there was something about that that visually appealed to me. And I, w I couldn't quite mm -hmm. put my finger on it, but I did like it. Um, and so then, uh, Phantom Fink is like, well, will you help me catch these racers? And she's like, why would I help you? And he's like, well, I could make you a famous star in Hollywood. And I'm like, how could you do that? What? Like, is this a world well, where Hollywood exists? That's interesting. Um, yeah. but she is not interested in that. 
But then he finally offers her a date with Captain Good, and she's like, okay, I'll help you. Oh, God. (laughs) So she apparently has magic or something because she makes a cyclone that catches up all the other racers, and the cyclone is, like, whirling and twirling, but still weirdly following the race course. Because then Phantom Fink turns back into Captain Good and starts heading toward the finish line, and he's about to win. But unfortunately for him, the Cyclone ends up throwing Yogi and Scare Bear, who were in last place before. It ends up tossing them all the way to the front, and they win the race. Um, So then... Uh, Phantom Fink is quite upset, so he, in the form of Captain Good, he's like, oh, Medusa, I'm so sorry, I'm not available for a date that night, but I can arrange something with my friend Phantom Fink, and she's like, pass. Um, <laughs> and that is pretty much the end of the show, because then Gary Owens comes on, he's like, join us next week for another thing, and he's like, wait, wait! And then we see that Yogi and Scarebear... When they've gone to the Martian Ritz, um, I it's unclear to me if they at least got to eat the dinner. Um, but now they're washing dishes. Now they're washing I dishes. I would be like, okay, I quit. I'm never doing this whole space race thing again because <laughs> the prize is BS. This is not fun. Um, yeah. So that's it. That's show over. Um, and that maybe is, we talked for 22 minutes about it. <laughs> So that checks out. There's not a lot that happens. No. Um, So let's just go into yawns and eye rolls. Uh, Yawns. One yawn is I, this was just amazing, totally engaging stuff. And 10 yawns is like, what a complete snooze fest. What would you give it? Um, well, Okay. I think I'm going to say nine because it was boring (laughs) for me, like quite a bit. Um, But I know that it's also not for me, so I won't like push it all the way to 10. Right. I can accept that like for kids, maybe not so much. So yeah, nine. Yeah, I think I feel the same as you, but because of that, I'm actually going to split the difference and say five. Like, oh, okay. Just like, because there was some stuff that was intriguing I guess I'd say um and we didn't talk much about the animation but I there were certain aspects to that that I enjoyed seeing um sure but yeah story-wise yeah nothing to recommend it really um and then in terms of eye rolls one eye roll is you know I totally bought into this world great (laughs) and 10 eye rolls is just like I uh just absolutely uh, what would you give it? Um, I mean, it's so hard in, again, in like animated things. Cause it's like, you know, what are, what are, will we need realism in animation? True. true. <laughs> um, so, but I might say like five just for that purpose. Cause like, of course not. Do I believe in like space races across with like dogs and cats and people turning into other people, but it's a cartoon. So like, I'm okay with it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I found a lot of this pretty cheesy. Um, so I think I would go up to more of a seven for myself. Mm, okay. Um, okay. Just because, 
I mean, it's fine to have needless nonsense, but I was just like, this isn't even that fun. Like, I, too much needless does, nonsense. Like, why does this guy change back and forth? Like, what's the point yeah. of that? Like, just have a bad guy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I true. I, yeah. Um. So I think I know where this is going, but uh, did you like this and would you recommend it? Um. Like, no and no. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a child. And I will say, like, also in terms of, like, finding it, I, it's mm-hmm. on Amazon, but I had to, like, buy, well, buy. I had to get, like, a free trial of, right. like, an add-on channel to watch it. Me too. So, like, it's not worth that, I don't think. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I feel the same. I'm a no and no um, because, well, one, if you want to see old-timey, hand-drawn animation i think there are better examples there's so much other yeah um yeah even stuff from this particular era like i think the 70s yeah i think about movies animated movies i've jetsons i would i would i would recommend the jetsons over this any day for sure or or the flintstones you know like or scooby-doo like um 100 because the animation of the 70s i will say seemed like Maybe the oil crisis meant that nobody could buy enough pens. Like, there was a weird, not as good quality <laughs> to it. <laughs> like, it seemed to, like, go down mm. in quality somehow in the 70s. But, um, mm. yeah, it doesn't even really have that that could, like, be an appeal to to watching more of it. Um, again, yeah. the pace of just this one episode f- made 22 minutes feel really long. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. say that I would recommend it. And no, there's other things you can watch. Yeah, and again, like, not that it super cost money, and I think if you liked animated things, Boomerang probably is a cool add-on to have. Yeah, maybe. Um, but definitely don't do it just for this, for sure. No, 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 no. Or, like, get it for this, watch the 13 episodes, and then unget it. Yeah, <laughs> I like, suppose. I think you could bang those out in a few days and be like, yeah, I got yeah. it, and now I'm going to yeah. unsubscribe to this. <laughs> yeah, if you, like, really feel like you need to see it, though. Yeah. Um, but so that is it from us here on See You Next Week in Space. As a reminder, we will be on hiatus next week um, and possibly the week after, but no longer than that. We'll have sorted out our various technical issues, ideally, by then. Um, but it has been a pleasure as always. Thank you, Amy. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week, or in a couple weeks, in space! Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh, with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.